And I will. Chapter 4 Captain! Captain Davenport! Davenport jolted up as his name was called and ran to the door to meet Barry and Lucretia. Both were panting and carrying their goggles, and Lucretia had a couple of sheaves of paper with her. What's going on? Are we under attack? He scrambled to put his jacket on over his pajamas, skipping shoes entirely as he skidded into the corridor. No, no, we're good! We found something! Barry grinned, flushed with victory and running. We found two things. Davenport put his hand to his chest and willed his heart to slow down. What is it? The elves? No, not the elves. We figured out what the energy coming off the body was. Barry grinned, and Lucretia spared a tight smile. It's the same energy that comes off of the light of creation. Just a tiny, tiny amount of it. Orders a magnitude smaller, and it dissipates too fast to be comparable. And if you look at it through the right lenses, there's something else. Lucretia, show him the journal. Lucretia didn't look as thrilled as Barry was, but she obligingly held out a drawing of a vague stick figure labeled Taco and wearing a pointy wizard hat with an incredible detailed rope coming out of it and another of the same stick figure on its side with the rope broken and sending little squiggly lines outwards. Davenport was a scientist, sure, but sometimes science could be baffling, even to an expert. I'm going to need some more details here. Barry nodded. So, that's the bond between the subject and, you know, whatever it's bonded to. Person, place, event, whatever. And normally when the bond breaks unexpectedly, the snap creates resonance. Grief, anger, some additional magical energy, adrenaline, whatever. But if the bond is really strong and existed during development, like the person grew around it and it grew around the person, it's theoretically possible for the bond to be part of them. Like removing it would cause such a shock that the person wouldn't survive. And the energy from that bond, it's like magnets. A complete bond with both ends attached has energy. That's what powers the ship. But an incomplete bond, that's nuclear. That is beyond nuclear. That kind of power being let out there is beyond anything we put to work. It's chaotic. It's damn near impossible to control. It's sorcery at that point. Gives someone a boost they need to awaken magic inside of them, if they can survive it. And that means, I mean, that's, well... Davenport nodded and Lucretia hugged her paper to her. Barry continued. Well, it could be that the bond between the two snapped, but Taco, he's already attuned to magic, so it would take a hell of a force to knock him out with his own magic, but a bond that goes soul deep. Yeah, that would do it. This plane doesn't have the tech or the magic to make that happen on its own unless the elves are into some serious shit. Barry's manic energy waned and he hunched over, fiddling with his lab goggles. Which they could be, Lucretia supplied. 
Yeah, but it could just as well be some sort of crazy twin magic. Like, you hear all those stories where one twin gets hurt and the other one can feel it no matter how far away they are? This could be something like that. What's the furthest they've even been apart? For how long? They understand each other intuitively. How much of that is because of the time spent together, and how much could be attributed to a bond? Could they get messages across if they wanted to? Feelings? Would they- Barry stopped muttering and stared into the middle distance. Barry, Davenport prompted. It was best let him talk these things out. Would they feel when the other dies? Barry asked, looking at him for some sort of reassurance. All that energy coming at them. Enough to vaporize their entire body, the strength of that bond. Did Taco feel that when Loop died? Lucretia put a hand on Barry's shoulder, solemn, looked like she'd already thought of that. Was he trying to ask for help? Was he trying to save himself? He cast magic ajar, would leaving his body even help? Barry's voice was breaking, and Davenport felt the breakdown he'd been expecting sooner or later, oncoming. Lucretia's eyes were dry, but her hand fisted in Barry's shirt. I don't know, Barry, Davenport said, because he wouldn't lie to his crew when they were vulnerable, and there was really nothing else to say. He put an arm around Barry's waist, and Barry dropped to the floor to be level. Lucretia followed him. He said he wasn't ready, Barry said to Lucretia's shoulder. I was right there. I could have. I should have helped him. Come here, buddy. There was really nothing for it. Davenport pulled Barry into a hug. You too, Lucretia. Shh. Not something he would do for the mission. But this wasn't about the mission anymore. Hadn't been for over a decade. This was family. Lucretia's shoulders hitched, and Barry got his shirt damp, and he couldn't find it in him to mind. I experimented on my friend's dead body. Barry sobbed. Fuck. Yeah, that one was going to be rough on him for a while, probably. He knew he was going to die, and he asked me for help, and I, I'm not like that. I'm not that kind of necromancer. I'm not that kind of person. I'm not. I know you're not. It wasn't fair of me to ask you to do that. I'm sorry, Davenport muttered, rubbing Lucretia's back as she shook silently. Shit, yeah. That was a goof on his part. Necromancy being what it was, Barry'd probably gotten a lot of flack about questionable ethics in his field. Fuck. He hoped Taco didn't mind. I experimented on Taco's corpse. I cut up Loop's brother gods. I, I, I was supposed to be better than this, Barry murmured. Lucretia lost the battle and let out a sob. The two of them 
We're still so young. It's not fair. It sucks, and I'm sorry. Shh. You're going to be okay. Someone approached down the hall, and Barry stiffened. Lucretia immediately wiped her eyes and tried to make herself presentable. Captain Bort, I was just thinking about where to look next, and... Magnus cut off as he saw the scene in the hallway, but it was still the middle of the goddamn night, and Davenport knew a lost man when he saw one. Get in here, Magnus, he said. Magnus fell to his knees and brought all three of them into a bear hug, holding on too tightly like he'd lose them if he couldn't keep them with him. Lucretia gave up on making herself presentable and collapsed into the embrace, and Barry muttered apologies and gripped Magnus and Davenport just as tight. They're going to come back, Davenport told them, because humans aged so quickly, and even though they were all adults, they still seemed so young. And then Taco's gonna make breakfast for supper for three months straight. We're all gonna get sick of it. They'll laugh at us for freaking out. Magnus supplied. Loop's gonna want a celebration for being back, and she'll want to know if we killed the guys that got her or not. Davenport was getting pretty squished at this point, but he patted the nearest part of Magnus, incidentally his bicep. Yeah, Taco's gonna yell at us for letting his pancakes go to waste. That's some seven-star-out-of-five pancake batter, remember? He got a watery laugh for that, an old joke from when Taco had been cursed to stay awake without meditating for a whole week. By the end of it, he'd barely been lucid, but he insisted on making the best damn pancakes you fuckers'll ever eat. Loop had physically prevented him from burning down the kitchen, and Davenport was pretty sure he hadn't even noticed. He'd stolen Barry at the end of it and teleported them to the observation deck for a nap, not waking up for the next 36 hours. Davenport remembered that Magnus had pouted for weeks for not being invited to cuddle time until Taco had been forced to have a group sleepover. Waking up with all his charges safely nestled in the rec room, each one clearly visible and out of danger and Merle at his side, been one of the most soothing experiences of the whole decade. He also had some blackmail photos of them cuddled up like puppies. Loop was drooling on Barry and one of his favorites. It was adorable. Another had Lucretia and Taco curled around each other, lying on top of an entanglement of Barry and Magnus. They all looked so relaxed. Now, there was an idea. Come on. Up, Davenport said, wiggling until he was disentangled from the group hug. Rec room. Tonight's movie night. Lucretia looked surprised past the stress and exhaustion. Captain? Davenport tugged on her lab coat. Actually, loops. The ship only had three, and everyone had to share. Somehow he'd never gotten around to getting another for her. Next year. Come on, up and at em. We're not getting any sleep tonight. Might as well watch some fantasy Fast and Furious and get some sugar in us. 
Magnus brightened up, tugging Barry to his feet with him. Barry was still looking fragile, and Davenport made a note to put him on a job with Taco once he came back for some reassurance. Those two had a strange sort of brotherhood, and seeing his friend alive would do Barry good. It didn't take much doing to get three wrung-out humans to shuffle into a pile of blankets on the giant couch in the rec room and put on some fantasy Fast and Furious. Loop always loved the series, could quote almost every line with terrifying accuracy. Davenport got some mugs and started some hot chocolate, chuckling along when Magnus did his best Loop impression to make an old joke. Barry was still quiet, a few tears making their way out, and held on to Lucretia. But he was exhausted, and it showed in how he drooped. Davenport gave him fifteen minutes before he passed out. He joined his family on the couch and settled in for the movie. It wasn't long after the humans fell asleep that Merle appeared in the doorway. Heard the noise, rough night, he said. Davenport gently extracted himself from Magnus, who was doing his level best to snuggle up to each and every one of them at once. He looked troubled for a moment, but reached out and got a hold of Lucretia and tugged her closer. Barry fell across both their laps and didn't stir. I think it just hit them, Davenport murmured, watching his crew, his remaining crew. Merle came to stand beside him. Yeah. Wanna play bridge? Davenport looked over in the flickering glide of the movie. I think I would like that. A few decades ago. Loop knew what they said about her brother. She'd heard it all bouncing from relative to relative. She knew what they said about her, too. Too abrupt, too angry, barely elf-like at all. She wasn't graceful, or she wasn't charming, or she wasn't bad at all. It was just that brother of hers following her around all the time. Creepy. Staring. Soulless. The latest man wasn't an exception. Some paladin from the big city come out to show the country folk the mercy of his god or whatever, took one look at Taco and went white as a sheet, asked to meet the two of them out of town. Taco had taken a look right back and said his god was a liar and a coward, and he could slay demons all he wanted. He would never be as important as he believed himself to be. A speck in an indifferent universe. He pulled out the elven snootiness he still hadn't quite mastered and looked up at this man with his gleaming armor and earnest face like he looked up at any of the other childhood bullies they'd met, stared him down, unblinking. The paladin, Sir George or Gregory or something, had gone red in the face before catching himself, closing his eyes and taking deep breaths. Taco had that effect on people. Loop stuck her tongue out. Young, young lady, can I please talk to you about your... He gestured to Taco. Accompaniment? My brother, Loop corrected. 
His name is Taco, and we're twins. Right, said the paladin. Of course. Would you mind? He gestured for her to follow him, and as always, Taco looked at her for the decision. Fuck, no, she said. The paladin looked pained, but too bad. She didn't get this far in life by following strange men around. Taco nodded and crossed his arms, scowling at the man. Look, I'm not going to hurt you, he tried. I'm a paladin. I serve... well, I suppose you can tell. He gestured to his shield, carrying his holy symbol. I just wanted to ask the two of you a couple of questions. Nothing bad. I was just startled when I saw you. I'll treat you to lunch. Tempting. But they were staying with their grandfather, which meant a steady source of food without Paladin's involvement. Loop raised an eyebrow. How about some cash? The Paladin looked at her. She looked back at him. He looked at Taco, remembered that Taco was disconcerting to look at at the best of times, and looked back to her. She tapped her foot. I suppose I can give you five dollars for some questions, he asked uncertainly. Ha! Huh, holy man wasn't used to bribing kids. Fuck that! Thirty! Taco joined her for the con, mirroring her tapping foot. She crossed her arms, too. The man reared back when Taco spoke up again, hand on his big, shiny greatsword. Lupin Taco got ready to run, but he let it go. Look, I'm willing to give you fifteen dollars to explain some things to me, young lady. I won't hurt you, I promise. I'll be at Wheatback Cave tonight. That's where I've been staying. Come by any time. He breathed sharply through his nose and watched Taco the whole time as he walked away. We gonna meet that guy? Taco asked her, staring him down as he walked into the blacksmith. Loop shrugged. Fifteen dollars and he'll just poke at you for a bit? Sounds like a good time. You okay with it? She kept an eye out, too, but the guy was a paladin. What was he going to do? Preach them to death? If you want to, I'm right behind you, Taco replied. Let's get going. We've got to finish our chores before we leave tonight. That night, just after supper, the two of them were picking their way down the path to Wheatback Cave. It was summer, and the sun still had a while before setting, and they were elves either way. Darkness would put them at an advantage. The paladin was kneeling before his sword and praying, because paladins never do anything interesting. Loop brushed against a branch to announce their presence. Oh, young lady, I thought you weren't coming. I'm glad you're here. He started to his feet and held out a hand to her. She gave him an awkward high-five, like, fuck, was she letting some guy kiss her hand, like some kind of noble or something? Taco, he completely ignored, except for a lingering, suspicious glance. Name's Loop. This is Taco. What do you want to know? 
magic folk, were always interested in Taco. Last time they'd have Divination Wizard through, they freaked him out, but good. Loop was 50-50 on whether they could run this guy out of town. My name is Sir Gregory Grimaldus, traveling with my page Thomas. He's sleeping in the inn tonight. I thought you wouldn't want to be outnumbered. Could you... Does he have to be here for this? The paladin looked massively uncomfortable with Taco's presence, but she'd give him points for meeting them alone. The divination wizard had started shaking when Taco gave him a nasty look. Speaking of which, Taco was sneering at this guy, too. If you can say it to Loop, you can say it to me. What, you want me to leave my sister alone with a strange man? The paladin coughed into his glove. No, of course, I... Fine. When did you meet this... Taco? Right out of the wound, I guess. How do twins work where you're from? Loop spied an apple next to old Greg's bag and glanced at Taco, who glanced back at her with a truly devious grin. He sprawled out next to the fire, apparently wide open to an attack, and gesturing distractingly with his hands as she shuffled closer. No, I'm... Where did you come from? said the paladin. Your mama, next question, said Taco. What even are you? Wait, just there. Greg muttered out an arcane phrase and Loop felt a bit fuzzy all of a sudden. She abandoned the apple and grabbed Taco, hauling him to his feet before a half second had passed. No, wait, it's not going to hurt you. I just cast the zone of truth. It just keeps you from lying. Look, now I can't lie either, the guy said, which, cool, unless he's lying about that. Why did you want to talk to us? Loop tried. I just want to know what that is, and why you think it's your brother. If it is really just an elf, no harm done. I just want to make sure you're safe. The paladin was doing his earnest paladin face, and Loop was pretty sure she could buy it. She sat back down, a little closer to the backpack this time, but kept her brother closer to her, too. Taco didn't protest. Tell me what you are, the paladin ordered Taco. No, Taco said. Tell me what you are. The guy seemed to be developing a headache. You, there's something wrong with your soul. Are you aware of that? Yeah, fuck this guy. Loop took a big bite out of the apple and crunched obnoxiously. There's no problem. I'm exactly how I'm meant to be, said Taco. He held out a hand for the apple, and Loop gave it to him so he could take a big crunch of his own. The paladin squinted at him. You'll bolt if I cast any more spells, won't you? Sure will, Loop said, but did not mean to say. Fuck this guy and his truth spells. Greg leaned in and stared deeply at Taco. What are you? You don't... 
Do you even have a soul? Where is it? He muttered, squinting and tilting his head like he could make Taco make sense if he looked at a different angle. Whoop had seen that one tried before. Never worked. Nope, Taco said. Fuck yeah, this spell had a time limit. Been fucking fantastic to meet you, Greg Grimm, but I'm gonna need that fifteen dollars out of you, Luke meant to say. What came out was, I hate when you guys stare at my brother like some kind of experiment, Greg Grimm. I'm gonna need that fifteen dollars out of you. Not a time limit, then. Some kind of resistance? And Taco made it, but she hadn't? How was she to know whether Greg had made his or not, then? Young lady, I'm sorry. I don't think this is your brother, said Greg. Fuck him, anyway. Fuck off! He is! She grabbed Taco's hand and climbed to her feet. This wasn't fun anymore. Fifteen dollars! We're leaving! But of course... Greg Gamaldus couldn't leave well enough alone. He picked up his sword and Loop retreated a few steps. He could probably outpace them in a fair race. Best to find something shiny to distract his attention first. Taco pushed her behind him, and she pushed him back. I need you to tell me what you are. Reveal yourself. There was a flash of holy light, and Taco barely dodged it. He dived one way, and Loop went the other. Greg was facing Taco, and he discarded the sheath of his sword behind him, heavy, and plated in gold and precious gemstones. Loop snuck forward. I said reveal yourself, demon. Release this girl from your clutches. Loop could barely lift the sheath, and she might have gained some respect for Greg, if not for the fact that... Actually, if not for a lot of facts... Most pressingly, that he'd swung his sword at her brother. Missed, but that shit was dangerous and Loop wasn't a fan. Taco locked eyes with her over Greg's shoulder, but couldn't communicate anything without drawing Greg's attention to her. Loop grinned, and he looked grim. Taco refocused on Greg and stuck his tongue out. Fuck off, Gregory! Not his best material, but she'd give him points for a stressful situation. He danced back half a step, not wanting to leave Greg's immediate area in case he remembered Loop's presence, but not a fan of the giant sword being waved in his face either. Loop raised the sheath above her head. Greg raised his arms to swing again, but she struck first. A solid blow to the back of the head and he was down, Dazed or unconscious, but probably not dead. She didn't stick around to find out. Let's go, let's go, let's go! She hissed to Taco, grabbing his hand and sprinting into the woods. He followed easily, and they sprinted down the path, off at a deer track and to a stream. There was a little cave about a mile upstream. They'd kitted out with some food and blankets. People knew they went there, and mostly left it alone. Hopefully Greg wouldn't know to look. Did paladins have tracking spells? They walked through the river. They hadn't seen a dog, but better safe than cleaved in half by a crazy frantic, and reached the cave in record time, ducking in and huddling up by the entrance to watch, just in case.
Can't believe that fucker, Loop muttered. Never gave me my fifteen dollars. Taco patted her shoulder. We can steal it off him later. Fuck no, bro bro. We're never seeing that guy again. We live here until he gets out of town. Can you believe what he said about you? Loop let herself get worked up about it now, away from the danger and free to see that the sword coming down towards her brother. No soul, my fantastic elven ass. He should be checking his own damn soul. Didn't think fucking child murder is on your god's to-do list, jackass. Taco laughed a bit. I mean, I don't think it would count if he didn't kill you. He made his stance on people without souls pretty clear. Loop whipped around to face him. Don't you listen to that son of a bitch! You have a soul, just like everyone else, Taco, and anyone who says otherwise can go fuck themselves. Taco tilted his head at her, and she curled a fist into his tunic. I'm serious, bro. They're not worth half of you. This is really important to you, Taco said, like he was trying the words out. You really want me to have a soul? Loop stopped, let go of his shirt, smoothed it out. Taco, do you really not think you have a soul? He hadn't said anything to her, never mentioned taking the rumor seriously, scoffed right next to her when they talked about creepy staring guys or how he never seemed to leave Loop's side. She thought he was fine, but... I don't, he said. I didn't think I needed one? No, Taco, everyone needs a soul. You can't... If you don't have a soul, you aren't connected to magic. No one is not connected to magic. You'd die. Loop's hands looked for a place to be on her brother's head, his shoulders, his arms, back up his shoulders again. She moved his hair back, like she could distantly remember someone doing for her. Where can I get one? Taco asked, blank-faced and breaking her heart. He hated it when she cried, but she could feel a sniffle coming up. Taco, I promise, if you really don't have a soul, you can have mine, she said, pulling him in for a tight hug. He wrapped his arms around her with a little hesitation. But you need your soul? She squeezed tighter, tucking his head into her shoulder, and glared back at the way they came, at the village, at everyone who would make her brother think this was about himself. We'll share. I'm older, so I'll keep most of it, but you can have as much as you need, right? It was an old joke, for food, for clothes, for anything they didn't get enough of. One or the other would always say that as the oldest, they had the right to it, but they both knew it would be an even fifty-fifty in the end. Neither of them would thrive if it meant the other was scraping by. Taco nuzzled into her and really began reciprocating the hug. Right. 
and then the light, and then the pain, and then nothing. The end of chapter four.